The Fourth Wall, Episode 5, Ryan Shore. You're listening to The Fourth Wall, a podcast that takes you beyond the screen or the page and brings you into our conversations with the creative people behind your favorite movies, TV shows, comics, and more. My name is Megan Krauss. I'm a writer and podcaster here at Den of Geek. Today we're talking to Ryan Shore, composer behind Star Wars Forces of Destiny and Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures. Thank you for for asking me to be on. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's always cool to see someone who had a hand in the saga. Um, So let's start out with that. What's your history with Star Wars? Were you a fan before you started working on the franchise? I absolutely was, and I grew up watching the movies. I've seen all the films in the theater, not the original ones when they were in the theater. Um, I watched those first on VHS, but then when they were later released, um, re-released, I watched them all again. So I'm absolutely uh, a huge fan and certainly knew all of the characters and the storylines and the you know how the universe works before I, I started uh, scoring. So... What did it feel like when you learned that you would be adapting some of John Williams' legendary music and using it in a new way? Incredibly exciting. I'm a huge fan of, of, of John Williams' music. I've studied his music, and uh, you know, to me, you know, John Williams' music is is like the holy grail of film scoring. So it's incredibly humbling to work with his music. And there's so, you know, there's so much love for the franchise and, you know, there's, you can feel it, you know, like all all of the the fans. And so, you know, it makes you work all that harder to make sure that you're using the themes correctly and in the right places. And and then to have uh, an opportunity, as I do on on Galaxy Adventures, to compose my own music alongside John Williams' music and and weave between the two is... uh, I would say it's a dream come true, but honestly, I had never even dreamt of it. I didn't even realize that would be possible, you know, to to work on something like that. So let's talk about that timeline a little. You've worked on Forces of Destiny and Galaxies of Adventure. Um, Which one came first? And for which one did you do more original music as opposed to kind of working with the franchise music that had already been in place? Star Wars Forces of Destiny came first, and that series is completely original. I I composed all the music for that, and the material from John Williams was me quoting his themes. So sometimes I would would quote his themes or interpolate them or do partial quotes of them, you know, hint at them. So very much, you know, where he's established the language of the Star Wars universe— and the, voca- the musical voc- vocabulary and the themes. And then I would just use those themes and write my own score for them. So for Forces of Destiny, it's all original except for the quoting of his themes. And then Galaxy of Adventures is a little different because that series, we're not doing entirely faithful recreations of existing scenes from the movies, but the series is set up so that we do hearken back to um, some of these pivotal scenes and, and they've recreated them with animation, not necessarily shot for shot. So the timings may not be exactly the same, 
but we are definitely recreating some of the scenes from the movies. And with those, and this is all for Galaxy of Adventures, for those, they are using some of the original dialogue from the original movies so that when you see you know, Han and Leia speaking, it, it is Harrison Ford and uh, Carrie Fisher. And so they wanted to do the same with the music so that we could actually utilize and, and play some of the actual recordings of the score from the movies. However, because the timings of the scenes have changed, they don't always work. You, you can't necessarily just hit play and it just synchronizes perfectly to the scene. Sure. So with those, then I'm taking those original recordings and making edits to them and then also composing my own music to either help with those transitions or to help score areas that we were not able to have the original recordings work in those spots. And then there are some episodes in Galaxy of Adventures that we don't use any of John Williams' recordings, and then I just compose it all completely originally like I did on Force of the Destiny. So every episode is sort of a little different. Okay. And in terms of following from that and following from working with the existing music, you are the composer, and then they're also the person that produces that music and the people that play that music. Were you working directly with live performers? Were you working mostly from sounds that you had previously? How much did you work with musicians to create these new parts? For the new parts, I've not been recording them live. I record them all in my studio. Um, I have very extensive sound libraries of sampled instruments. You know, it's never where like you, you know, when you're working with samples, it's not like you can sort of just hit one button and then a whole phrase comes out. So I'm still playing every single note for every part, but I'm able to replicate the sounds of a flute or the sounds of an oboe or French horn or, you know, all these types of things. So all of it is created in my studio and then Specifically on Galaxy Adventures, because sometimes we move between new recordings that I'm creating and existing recordings from John Williams, I also work really hard to try to match the sonic quality of the two recordings so that when you go back and forth, hopefully it's a seamless experience for the audience and they don't realize that we're going back and forth between new recordings and previous recordings. Has there been any particular challenge with that or particular kind of tips and tricks you use to match that sound of music that not only was performed with an orchestra, but may have been performed in 1976? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I work really hard to do is if I'm are placed properly within this virtual room, this virtual recording studio. So if I, if I have a brass section, for example, I make sure that they sonically are heard further back in the room and to the right, because that's where the brass would normally live in a recording session or on a concert stage. Same thing with like first violins, they're going to be to the left, you know, right, right near the, the conductor's podium. Or the second violins may be to the right if you're doing split strings, or maybe you keep the second violins to the left right next to the first violins. So all of these types of really s detailed specifics of how to position the room and and I say the room it's all it's a virtual room but it's the virtual placement of all the microphones it helps tremendously to make the recording sound like they're live um, yeah that's that's really interesting you make that sort of sonic landscape even if 
people don't know they're hearing that kind of distance, but if you were seeing a live orchestra, you would be hearing that distance. Mm-hmm. Very much so. That way it's not just if you're listening on a pair of stereo speakers or headphones that sonically, it's not like all 90 players are sitting in one chair dead in the center. of the room. Uh-huh. Yeah, one of the tricks. Anything else you want to add about that? Or I have some more questions in the forces of destiny direction. Oh, well, yes, there, there's actually so many different techniques that are used to make samples sound real. If I'm trying to match to another recording, let's say, as we are in Galaxy Adventures, then I'll try and also match the reverb, you know, so that it sounds like you're in the same hall or you're in the same recording studio. There's a lot of really cool techniques for doing that where different recording studios are almost like sampled where people will go into that studio and without any musicians in there, they'll, they'll send out a test sound and record the way it, it like ricochets off the walls and reverberates. And it teaches the program the acoustics of that room. And then you can apply those same acoustics to your recording. So there's a lot of like cool techniques in it. And then another one, which is perhaps the most important, I would say, is to know what the instruments should be doing if you were recording them live. So that way, you know, if you're working with sampled instruments, you wouldn't want to like have the trumpets say, for example, do something that a human trumpet player is not capable of doing. Um, Sure. For example, maybe they're playing off the range of the instrument, like they're too high or they're too low, or you're asking them to do different techniques that just would be impossible on the instrument. So it's those sorts of things, just knowing how to write for the instruments, what their ranges are, that makes a massive difference that it sounds real because you're basically not having the orchestra do something that they're not capable of doing. One of the things I thought was most impressive about the music in Galaxies of Adventures was that the videos are so short, which means they're also short music cues. Um, So how did you make sure that each part evoked the feeling of that one very specific moment? That is, in a way, almost the easier part because the stories are so rich with emotions and action and meaning, what these scenes mean to the characters. And Lucasfilm chooses the scenes very carefully. And so it's actually, there's so much to be inspired by when when you're writing for it. The challenging part is kind of like getting out after a minute and trying to make it sound like you didn't just sort of clip it in the middle. You know, it's like, oh, it's action, action, action. And then it's like, suddenly you're done. And it's like, whoa, you know, what happened? You know, I thought we were in the middle of a scene. Yeah, then nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the challenge I find is, is just finding ways of getting in and out so that it, it, it still feels natural. But what to write within it is all inspired by the stories. So on Forces of Destiny, it sounds to me like you did have a little more leeway to work outside of the established music. Is that correct? Very much so, yes. So I was rewatching Forces of Destiny recently, and one of my favorite episodes is where Rey is chasing the Porg that has stolen her lightsaber, and the Porg flies off a cliff and Ray grabs it with the force and the music is so it just I don't know the technical term for this or when a cartoon uses the music to emphasize the comedy of what's happening it's mm-hmm. 
so funny. It makes me laugh every time. Um, so first of all, I just wanted to tell you that I liked that. Thank and, you. Um, second of all, in that direction, what are kind of some moments that you really enjoyed scoring in Forces of Destiny? Oh, my goodness. There are so many. And I'm not even sure if I could pick out specific moments. I mean, and this sounds almost, you know, like an obvious answer, but I love scoring all of it because even with Forces of Destiny, like Forces of Destiny was a really cool series because it focused on on the female heroines of the Star Wars universe. So it brought out like, you know, Rey and Princess Leia and so many of them. And it was the first time that all of these female characters were brought together into one series because many of these characters wouldn't necessarily even be interacting. You know, they're, they're from different episodes within the films. So honestly, I just loved scoring all of it. Every time they'd send a new episode, it was like, yes, you know, I get to write for that character or wow, that's so cool. We get to, you know, go back to that world. I think some of the scenes that I love the most were perhaps the ones that just felt so iconically Star Wars, you know, like if it's, you know, a great action sequence in space, you know, or the ones that focus on, on the really big characters that I've just known so well. So I wish I could remember specifics, but I just kind of take it in as one overall piece. Sure. And it was a, a while ago. It was a few projects ago. That's a perfectly acceptable answer to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. <laughs> so do you want to talk about what some challenging moments were in either Forces of Destiny or Galaxies of Adventure and kind of how you overcame them? Sure. Yeah, I would say that some of the more challenging work probably comes on Galaxy of Adventures because Forces of Destiny, I was really given a lot of leeway on how to score them because I was just starting everything from scratch. It really gave me the opportunities to just sort of blue sky the episodes. I find Galaxy Adventures to bring its own set of challenges because we're trying to utilize the John Williams original recordings. So some of the challenges have more to do with technical challenges rather than musical direction challenges in a way, you know, where it's like, okay, we really want to use 17 seconds from Return of the Jedi, but in this one recording, you know, right after the moment that I want to use, the score goes somewhere else that I, that I don't want to use. So then it's like, okay, how am I going to just capture those 17 seconds and not make it sound like I just had a hard edit out of it. So that sort of thing, I I work really hard. I would say those are the biggest challenges on it is doing a lot of the editorial and then, of course, marrying that in with with the original music, you know, to make it all hopefully feel like one cohesive score. Cool. So kind of taking it away from previous Star Wars work, what is like a favorite song that you have from the movies or a favorite theme or a favorite track? Oh, good question. I just recently scored a feature animation that is going to come out in the United States later this year called The Legend of Muay Thai Nine Satra. And uh, it's a movie made in Thailand. It's an animated feature. It's about 96 minutes in length. And it's a very epic story about a warrior who is taken away from his hometown at, at birth and then raised to be a warrior outside of his town and then when he becomes of age as an adult later comes back to save 
his entire uh, city from some uh, bad people. Um, so I'm super proud of that score. It was a 96-minute animated feature. I had a 96-minute orchestral score. Um, so it's it's completely music the entire time, including an original pop song that I wrote. And I actually just found out yesterday that the equivalent of the Academy Awards here in the United States, they have a version of that in Thailand. It's like the Thailand Academy Awards for their own sanctioning body. And the awards were over the weekend in Thailand, and I won best score. Um, oh, cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I literally just found that out hours ago. So I'm super proud of that. And that film should hopefully be coming out later this year. And you were asking about themes, and I really like a lot of the themes that are in that movie. Um, it was it was a challenge to find the, the right themes since the characters sometimes have different, you know, ethnic backgrounds and trying to make everything sound authentic. And where can people find that if they want to watch it? Good question. Um, it's already played in theaters in Southeast Asia. I believe it's already played in, in Thailand and Australia and New Zealand and Vietnam and some other places. I don't believe it's available yet on video, so I think that it's going to come out hopefully in theaters in the United States later this year. So if anyone would be interested to see it, um, I hope they might keep an eye out for it for when, uh, when we find out when it's going to be coming out. Okay, cool. So do you have a favorite John Williams theme that is either most inspiring to you musically or just like you think it's the coolest one? From Star Wars or just in general? Um, let's do from Star Wars. Oh boy, there's so many. Um, I love the Princess Leia theme. It has some really beautiful wide intervals in it, um, some beautiful harmony. Um, I love the Force theme. It, it always sort of gives me chills when I hear it. I love the Darth Vader theme because it's just so powerful. And also the, 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 um, uh, the Kylo Ren theme um, also sort of has a lot of that power to it. So those are some of my favorites from Star Wars. So we're about at time. Is there anything that you want to add that you feel like we didn't quite cover or parts of your work on Star Wars that you'd like to highlight before we wrap up? I just want to say that I'm so thrilled that, that the fans are watching these episodes. I read the comments, you know, to articles and on YouTube and the feedback has just been phenomenal. So for any fans who might be listening, I'm so grateful to them and, and want to thank them, you know, for, for noticing all the, the details and hard work that we put into it. It's, it's really inspiring. Great. Well, thank you for your work on that and for taking the time to talk with us today. Yes. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on. It's a real pleasure. That'll wrap things up for this episode. Come back in two weeks for the next edition of the podcast when we'll break through the fourth wall once again to talk to another creator or performer behind the entertainment that you love. Remember to follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. My name is Megan Kraus, and you can follow me at blog full of words on Twitter. Find more content at denofgeek.com. And thanks for listening. Join us next time beyond the fourth wall. Mm-hmm.